here's what I've really been just grinding on is, is all scripture to me is um, the more I understand it and Jesus in the incarnation where heaven meets earth, this, we're the new temple, like just trying to, um, I almost wanted, I think I will, I'll start a series on manifesting as sons because I think that's what he's after. I think he's after that we're not, we're not supposed to live a common life. I think we're supposed to live this uncommon life. And uh, I love the theology. I love all of that. But as you guys know, is if it's not practical, I'm really not interested. Is, is, uh, uh, I'm not, all you guys online too, I just don't, I don't answer you if you're debating theology because love is the end of theology to me. It's like, it's the end. And love never fails. So that's just where I'm at. And uh, if you think love fails, fantastic. We can disagree. That, that's great, but I'm not going to get into theological debate because this, this little girl is a great example. And it's kind of like the blind man where they said, whose sin caused him to be blind? And Jesus, you know, his answer was, you guys got it all wrong. It's not the father or the mother or the, or the person that sinned. She was, he was blind so that I could demonstrate my goodness to them. And that's weird, isn't it? That's like this weird thing. Like, what? And so um, I really just think it's a picture of humanity and in, in Israel, actually. I don't think it's really had to do anything about the blind man, even though it was the blind man. But uh, anyway, um, when, uh, when he could see, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were debating, hey, what did this Jesus guy do? And do you really, do you have to deny him and, and all this? And, and uh, uh, well, they were asking the parents first, if you guys know the story. They're, so they're talking to the parents. They're calling the parents on the carpet going, you don't really believe in this Jesus guy, do you? How come you're, what happened to your son? How come he can see now? They're like, ask my son. He's of age. And they asked the son, and he's, here's his theology. I don't really care. I was blind, but now I can see. Now, that's the end of theology to me, isn't it? Don't you think she's going to be happy? She's not going to be worried about our theology when we, she gets her teeth fixed. Love will never fail. I really, and then I think somebody who probably grew up outside of any knowing that God's a loving God or probably didn't have a loving father like, like uh, a lot of situations today, I think she gets a better glimpse of who God is. Would you guys agree with me? And that's the end of theology to me. So it's fun to debate, but hey, guys online, please just, I'm not gonna answer you. It's, I'm not into it for that. It's like when somebody calls me and they need prayer, I'm gonna pray with them. I'm not gonna go, what's your theology? What's your end times theory? I'm like, I don't, love never fails. That's it to me. So anyway, I think I got my message across. All right, so um, waiting on the Lord. How many of you guys have ever heard that? That sounds like pain to me, actually. How I was taught, but it's really exciting once you see this, is um, waiting on the Lord um, is like uh, somehow you gotta go spend time with him in order to hear him or give, he'll give you an answer. Is that kind of how we, most of you guys grew up with that theology, like waiting on the Lord means, oh, I'd really love to spend time with my family uh, and watch the Yankees game, but I gotta go wait on the Lord. That's how, I, that's how I was taught. And it's not this exciting thing, but I'll show you in Hebrew what it really means. It's really pretty cool. So you guys are all familiar with this scripture in Isaiah 40. This is out of the message translation. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to the dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. How many of you guys want to spread their wings like eagles? Like you're above every situation and spiritual and they run and don't get tired and walk and don't lag behind. That sounds like victorious living, doesn't it? Like uncommon living. That's what I think uh, what he really wants is did Jesus kind of live an uncommon life? I think we're called to that. I think he was the demonstration of what the incarnation looks like. Somebody who really understands what heaven and earth together in a body looks like. And uh, 
And that's what I think we're trying to, not myself too, I'm like, I've really been meditating, Claudette, if you're listening, I know when you were, we were praying for you yesterday just for health issue, I was really just praying going, how would I pray if, if I knew, how would Jesus pray for this? And if he and I are one, we're in complete union, that in that day when he sends this, we were talking about the spirit of sonship, the Holy Spirit today, uh, how would I pray differently and what would my belief level be? Here's what, here's what would always get me. I would go, if Jesus came into your situation and prayed for you, how excited would you be for your situation? Pretty happy, right? And uh, he's praying for you when you pray because he and you, you are in him and he is in you. He sent that spirit of sonship and you're one. And so as I was praying, Claude, I was like, you know what? How would I feel? What, how much faith would I have knowing that it's not based on my faith, that even when I'm not faithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself? How would I pray and how would I feel and how comfortable would I be praying for situations? So I'm like, I would be really comfortable. Wouldn't you guys? Casting all your, the idea that it's his power, it's his will, it's his spirit, it's his everything. I don't have to come up with this thing. I just pray and just release everything that's in me, which is him. Because, does that make sense to you guys? That's true prayer to me. And then she texted a little bit back. She's like, oh my God, the pain's gone already. Like, praise God. I told her, I said, I could feel it tangibly because I really spend time thinking about that in my quiet time now. Like, gosh, he and I are one. That's what Jesus came to reveal is that we're children of God like we were singing about. So if I'm a child and I have full authority in the Father's house, you guys have full authority in the Father's house. So how good would it be when you pray? It'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? That's what I'm trying to get us to manifest as sons, not because we're seeking the thing. It's just, why wouldn't we live this uncommon life? Why wouldn't, we, why wouldn't our, our health be uncommon and our, our business transactions be uncommon and everything be uncommon? And that's really living out of the spirit versus seeing the tangible and then reacting to it. It's like, okay, I see what's going on. I want to change what's going on on my outside, so I'm going to change what's going inside and release it from inside. Does that make sense to you guys? That's really how simple prayer is to me. So anyway, let's see what this weight actually means. It's actually quite fun if we hit this next slide. And so I know this is busy, but this was really fun to me when I was studying the Hebrew out on this. So weight is uh, the Hebrew word kava. It's not weight like a time. It means you're entwined, you're one as a, a three-braided string. Like Ecclesiastes, talk, Ecclesiastes 4.12, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And some of you guys know this. Is, um, have you gone to the Golden State Bridge? And have you guys seen that? Like all those twines of, of uh, steel? I'm the only guy I've seen that. You guys have seen that? Yeah? That's amazing to me that when you think about how many tons of concrete and steel and everything that bridges, then you see all those little, all those little steel things wound together. Well, if there were only 10 of them, what would it look like? It would crash. Well, if, if weight on the Lord means to be bound together, entwined like a cord, who do you think the three-stranded cord is that we're entwined to? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have, have brought us into his, their life, and he goes, if you, wait, if you understand that you're in union with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three-braided, the three how does he say it? The three strands. No. A cord of three strands. You're going to live the uncommon life. And so waiting through religious activities, like I said, sounds exhausting to me. I mean, it sounds like time, right? Go spend time with him. We should spend time with him every day of every hour. In fact, just you living your life, you're spending time with him because he's trying to live his life out of you. And that was Paul's, 
Paul's whole teaching, he says, I live and move and have my being in him, meaning that he's in constant understanding, hey, I'm, he's living his life through me, and I'm just going to live. What, what my desires are are probably his desires. I don't have to make it difficult like most of the religious teachings. So anyway, it, most of it's when I was taught, like, go wait on the Lord, and like, good God, when do I just get to, like, live life? It was so much more fun to be a kid and just enjoy life. Um, like the last day of school, remember that when you were in grade school? Was that exhilarating? I just remember we would go to the zoo in Sioux Falls, South Dakota was the last day of school. And then, and then the next day you're like, I am free, man. I was telling Barbara, I'd go get on my bike with my, my baseball bat and glove and ride to the, the ball diamond. We'd play all day. Wouldn't eat. Wouldn't, all we'd do is drink water at the water fountain. Wouldn't eat. Wouldn't do anything. You'd come home. They had a nine o'clock whistle. Anybody have a whistle growing up? We did not, you did because we're small town, right? So small town whistle. And uh, you'd come home and you, they had to force you to eat and force you to go to bed. Then you become an adult and you go, what are we, what are we gonna eat? And when can we get to go to bed, right? It's so different, like how you live as a kid. And I think it's because we, we get all this religious nonsense and oh, life's hard. And like, no, no, we live the uncommon life if we understand that we're in union with him. So anyway, but entwining, when you realize it means to be bound together with the, with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, realizing your union down to the exact point, I'll make, I'll make sure you understand this in a minute, with him releases the energy, is exciting, enjoys our supernatural inheritance. Now, I want to go through the Hebrew on this. This is really cool to me because wait, you, I think it's such a different meaning when you actually look at the Hebrew letters that mean kavah, where, and it's kavot is where we get holy. It's the same kuf, the first letter. But anyway, some of you guys know it reads right to left, so it's kuf, vav, the, the, the line up and down, and hey. And so if you want to go, um, if you want to go YouTube some of this, I was showing you that this Jewish scholar, it's so cool to me. Uh, I don't remember what it's called now. Oh, if you just went on YouTube and like put in like Kuf, K-U-F, mystery of the, the Hebrew letters, the, he does a really good job. And so anyway, that first letter, Kuf, it's the only one that if you see that little line, it goes down, be, down below the line. And he said literally to a Hebrew, that, that letter Kuf is the one who goes down to find the sparks of holiness in all creation. I was like, that is awesome. Is that awesome? And then vav, most of us have heard it's a nail, but it, it is a nail. Like yud Hey vav Hey is the hand of grace nailed in grace. But uh, vav also means to connect. And it's a singular line, and it says a man standing fully connected to heaven and earth, just like Jacob's ladder. Like that's a different meaning than go spend time with God, right? And then the last one, hey, most of us have been taught it's grace, but there's he was going through, t the, there's so much symbolism in every letter. It's beautiful. You could, you could minister on it forever, but it literally means great unity and completeness. Three distinct lines. If you go look at that, actually this one doesn't show it because it's kind of the newer uh, Hebrew, but if you go look at it in original Hebrew, there's three distinct lines. There's, there's length, breadth, width, at what, it, what it demonstrates, and it's the great unity and completeness, three distinct lines. We express, and it says it's a form of expression. Like when we breathe out, like, hey, like, Marianne Rabe sang that, right? Like Yahweh, it's like sound of breathing, yud, hey, vav, hey. And so it's, we express the breadth, the depth, the length of our divine union in space, meaning three-dimensional, um, through our thoughts, our speech, and our acting. Justin, you ever heard me teach that? Thought, speech, action? I was telling Barbara, I go, man, I fell out of my chair when I heard that. I was like, that's what I've taught forever. You line up your thoughts, what do we spend our time thinking? 
Because who do you spend more time talking to than anybody? Yourself. And then sometimes it's a bad place, isn't it? You get alone by yourself and you start thinking this stuff. And uh, what are we supposed to think on? Paul tells us in Philippians, but waiting on the Lord is, is making sure your thoughts, your speech, and action know that you have a spark of holiness in all creation and you are the man, the, the, the oak of righteousness with complete connection to heaven and earth. You are the new temple where heaven meets earth, standing strong as a perfect, uh, that's why it's straight and <clears throat> connected to heaven and earth. Is that cool? So when you get this, it's like, oh my gosh, that's so much better than don't eat, don't drink, go spend time with him, wait on him till he answers you. I don't think he really takes a lot of pleasure in that, to be honest with you. I think it's when you realize who you are, that you're a child of God, like we were thinking about, in perfect union, connected to heaven and earth, then you're going to manifest as sons and you're going to start living the uncommon life for the display of his splendor. I think it's not to go... Uh, I think it's to show humanity. This is what divinity looks like. This is what a true Christian looks like. Um, does that make sense to you guys? I love this. this that, that weight, I get excited about it. I go, yes, I can even do that watching the Yankees game. So, in fact, how are they doing, Ronald? What are they doing today? Go check it out. Da-na-na, da-na-na, right? Yeah, you, you can interrupt me. That's good. Well, only if the Yankees are winning. Oh, hey, how many guys want to hear about Mike the Headless Chicken? <laughs> Stephen told me about it last night. I'm getting you a t-shirt. I'm buying a t-shirt. I'm going to show up with a Mike the Headless Chicken. I think he's still full of it. But See, that's what I said, Martha. He's like, come on. You're, you're trying to take advantage of a Polish kid from Iowa right now. Um, Brent, you, you grew up in Colorado, right? Did you ever hear about Mike the Headless Chicken? Fruit of Colorado. Fruit of Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> I am going to get a t-shirt just for the kicks of it, though, because they got, Mike, they got this chicken without a head on it. It says, Mike the Head just kids chicken free to Colorado. So the, he's telling Stephen, so that's why I was like, that's divine. He, supposedly he lived 18 months after the, after the guy. But all the, I see, I'm still tied up, 2-2, two, two. fourth inning, fifth inning, what? Sixth inning, okay. I'll get you out of here so we can watch the eighth and ninth, all right? All right, go to the next slide. Would you agree that's a better weight? And when you realize that you're completely connected to heaven and earth, I just think we, we live differently. We start to have better thoughts. And that's where it really, that, uh, even that hate is this, we, we have this divine grace that's endowed and given to us through no effort of our own. So anyway, I want to talk about reconciliation too because I think it's still this whole idea. Once we get this in here, which is living out of the spirit, then everything external starts to change. And so anyway, 2 Corinthians 5.18, now all things are of God. So how many things are of God? And that's that of God is genitive, meaning the source is God. Like in God is a preposition meaning location, but of God means the source is God. You guys follow me? Yeah? So all things are of God. So how many things are of God? All things. that You start to see Paul's writing everywhere. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us this ministry or message or service of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us this word of reconciliation. We were talking about this last Sunday and I said, gosh, this, this just really fits with what we're talking about, about living out of the spirit versus 
reacting to what we see in the natural. And so if you go look up reconciling, Strong's 2644 is katalasso. It means to change or exchange. But I think if you go to help word studies, um, you get a better, or if you go to the Mirror Bible, Francois does a beautiful job with this in there. It's, uh, it's from kata, which, which intensifies alasso. So kata literally means down to the exact point, okay? And intensifying alasso means to change. So if you really look at that, God intensely, he's, he's emphasizing that you've literally been changed down to the exact point. He reconciled all creation, changed it to the exact point to what, if we read this? To himself. Is that awesome or is that awesome? God was in Christ changing down to the very exact point, the cosmos, to himself. So if you've been changed through Christ, down to what standard? Exactly as him. That's pretty good, isn't it? Claudette, that's what I was meditating on, honestly, when I was praying for you, because I was preparing the service even at that time. I was like, you know what? I've been changed down to the very intensifying how precise and how perfect I am to him. We've been changed down to him, his very essence, who he is. And you've heard Francois and different people talk about it. He goes, he didn't come as our example. He came as us to show us as in a mirror. Like this is what humanity, this is what a divine life is supposed to look like. So when we look at Jesus's life, that's our potential. That's pretty good, isn't it? So it really, so a lot of these scriptures now, like all things are possible to him who believe really starts to become meaningful to me. Do you think he really means all things are possible? I think he probably does. I think that's where he goes, you guys live outside of, oh, Trent, we were talking about this two nights ago too, how to live outside of time and space. That's a crazy one, isn't it? Because we, humanity, we live in this linear time frame going, what time is it? And uh, when we read scriptures like we were found in him before the foundation of the world, and he's the, he's the uh, teleos time, the telos time, basically it's the end of time. So, because we were talking about this, is okay, if we were found in him before the foundation of the world, and uh, everybody that has breath has to be born from him, all things were, were from him, and Paul talks about that all the time. So what happened when they, at Pentecost when they sent the Holy Spirit? Because obviously the first definition of spirit is ruach, his breath, his, literally his, his breath, that everything has breath praises him. It's, there's not anything alive that he's not in. You guys agree with that? Because how could they be alive if he's the only definition of life? They can't. And uh, that, that starts to mess with your theology a little bit. But then something special happened. So we always had the spirit, but then something obviously special happened at Pentecost roughly 2,000 years ago. What happened? If we always had his spirit, what happened? Any ideas? We've always had his spirit. See, I was taught, no, 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 no. You haven't had the man of God pray for you and lay hands on you yet. You haven't babbled in tongues yet. So you don't have his spirit. Like, wait a minute. Yes, I did. So what really happened? 
Yes, legal, yeah, legalism is where, where we find our condition now, where we've forgotten who we are. So what does Jesus come? And he says, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all flesh. And Peter at Pentecost is saying this. This is what was prophesied by Joel. I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all flesh. So you guys realize that any, any human that has flesh, his spirit's been poured out, right? So something happened. And I think it's this. We, we could be wrong, but I think it's this. If something special happened at Pentecost, yet it's always been because he sits all the time. That's why it's this crazy idea. So we've always had the spirit of sonship, and that's what he gave. He goes, I didn't give you the spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I gave you a spirit that you don't have to be afraid of God anymore. In fact, this spirit's going to be the revelation that you're a child of God and you can say Abba, which is exactly what they killed Jesus for. You mean you're calling yourself a son? That means you're co-equal with the Father. So are you guys a son? Whether your definition is because you said the magic words or you were found in him before the foundation of the world, you're saying that you're co-equal with him if you really take scripture literally. Then our prayer life should look a little different, shouldn't it? (laughs) Mine should too. That's what I'm preaching to myself here too. Like, what, Mike? You're mildly stupid most of the time. Would you get this? So anyway... I love this, though. So two, And then it, in Help Word Studies continues. It says, two parties decisively changed. That's why I love the wedding, Chad and Beth, yesterday. Because Paul tells us in Ephesians, he goes, hey, a man should leave his husband and wife and be united, or a man should leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and two have become one. And then Paul says, this is a mystery that I'm talking about. It's really not about your earthly wedding. It's about Christ in the church. So he says, This whole idea that we go get married is to remind every one of us that that's how married we are to Christ, that two have literally become one. You guys got that? If you go read Ephesians, that's what he's really talking about. He's going, hey, everything, all creation speaks of me. So when a husband and wife come together in marriage, it should remind every one of us that two have become one. We're not apart from him. God was in Christ down to the very exact point, making us one with him. And that's what marriage is supposed to be symbolic of. And then the second definition helps word study says two parties decisively changed to the exact same position. This is applied to marriage partners. So anytime I see my wife, it's really supposed to be a reminder to me that I'm unconditionally loved, perfectly loved, and I'm one with him. You guys got it? It's cool to have a, if you're not married, it doesn't really matter because Paul, Paul, Paul wasn't married, but he's like, when you see all creation, it speaks of me. So anytime you see a marriage, it goes to remind you that this mystery that he's become one with you. Man, I just get more excited when I pray then. I get more excited about life then. You guys, you? All right, let's go to this next slide. We'll be done. Yeah, I'll get you out of here. Record time. We might get, we can get, catch the seventh inning, Ronald. So... <laughs> And he's okay with that. That's what's beautiful, because I don't have to wait on him. I don't have to wait, because I know I'm entwined, right? That's what wait really means. So anyway, our union are entwined to the three-chord strand, the fact that we've been changed down to the very last detail, co-equal to him. That should be exciting to you guys. Allows us to live with power above the natural realm. And this is how I do it. You you guys can do it better than me. If you got a better idea, I'd love to hear it. Um, That if it helps, yeah, I'd love to... I just think about this. If Jesus was in my business, what would it look like? If Jesus was in my marriage, what would it look like? If I'm praying for the sick, realizing that I'm co-equal down to the very exact point as Jesus, how will I pray? Differently than trying to wait on the Lord and 
the price of power, praying in tongues long enough till I feel the anointing. No, I, I, when I realize I am entwined and I'm one with him, there's great powers released. That's what it says. You're going to fly like eagles. You're going you're to walk and not get tired. You're going to have this divine spirit, this divine energy, this uncommon life, which I want to live an uncommon life, don't you? I, I don't think I've ever, uh, we've always talked about this as, is, uh, at least we didn't do this with our kids, um, especially in this country. We, most of us grow up and we go, you live in the, the greatest country in the history of the world. Don't you, most of you guys hear that? I still believe that. I know some people, they don't like nationalism and everything else. They go, show me a better one. I don't want to live anywhere else, right? Every time I go overseas, whatever, I come back, I'm like, praise God, I just get to spend dollars here. I love spending dollars versus currency because it reminds me I'm back here. I was like, right? I'm like, no, 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 you guys can have your stuff. Um, they don't love you. It's just nothing works over there. So I just like stuff that works, don't you? I just like a, if I wake up at one o'clock, I want to go to Walmart and just go buy something just because I can. Is it? Isn't that a blessing? Some of you guys may not think so. I go, I love it, man. I love it. I love it. I get to mow my lawn on Sunday, whatever. It doesn't really matter to me. So anyway, um, so we're designed to live the uncommon life. Oh, what I was saying is we, in this country, we go, man, we live in the greatest country in the history of the world. And I know with our kids, I think most of you guys that have kids and grandkids, you, you typically say something like this. You can do whatever you put your mind to, hand to. That's right. It says, because whatever you put your hand to shall be blessed. Right. We don't, at least we shouldn't, we shouldn't go to our kids and go, you know what? We live in the greatest country in the history of the world. You should grow up to just be average. That, that, that does nothing for me. It does nothing for me. That's why I love Vince Lombardi. He goes, I have no, I have it on my wall in my office. Uh, he says, I have no interest in just being good. Meaning that I don't want just to live a good life. I want to live an uncanny life. And, and it's not out of willpower, guys. It's out of realizing we're in one with him. So gosh, how big can you dream knowing that you're, you're one with him? As big as you want. That's what he says is all things are possible to him who believes. How do we believe? We spend time, not, not physical time. We, we, we really start to meditate on I'm one with him. What would it look like if he's in my prayer, if he's in my life, if he's in my marriage? Would it look different? Yes, I think it would. Sorry if I'm not doing it good. I'm trying to imagine me and my, how would Jesus treat Barb? I'm like, God, you're such a loser. <laughs> At least I'm honest, right? I'm like, no, I, I, no, I, I really... That's where, in the marriage that we were talking about, I go, I shouldn't, oh, man. But this whole idea of, as husbands, uh, love your wives as Christ loves the church, and, and women, respect your husbands. How good is it? And submit, that's a good one. Um, how good is it going? That I don't, the, 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 the marriages outside of church look exactly the same as the marriages in church. So if we're doing that, because I think we've missed the most important part, because John tells us, he goes, if you know you're unconditionally loved, we love because he first loved us. When we know we're unconditionally loved, despite our flaws, despite our spots and wrinkles, yet he goes, who's talking about spots and wrinkles? I washed you with my word. You're completely clean. He's removed sin as far as the east is from the west. You are the spotless bride. When we get that, Oh man, thank you, Jesus, one more time that you love me unconditionally and you put up with me. Now I can effortlessly love my wife versus do it by willpower, right? Husband loves your wives. Yeah, Ruben, you've been taught that, right? And then we, we're like, 
God, we would if we could. We just don't know how, right? And Esther, respect him. <laughs> so yeah, yes, yes, yes. If not, we're going to cast Jezebel out. So <laughs> how bad, how bad, man. I'm surprised most guys didn't get their high heels right up their rear end in that stuff. So they should have actually. So anyway, um, because that's not what it means. It's like, you know what, we love, it's, this is, he's talking about Christ in the church. He goes, man, if you realize you're in union with him, perfectly loved. So anyway, we're designed to do the in common. So anyway, wouldn't it be fun to realize I'm one with him, the man standing there completely connected to, to heaven and earth, what vav literally means in that weight on the Lord, to trust in the unlimited power of one we're in union with. That's where I think real faith comes from. It's like, Lord, I'm not trying to gin up this false faith or try get it something enough or get my level above some other level. I don't think it has anything to do with any of that. I think it comes from a revelation that I'm one with him. I'm perfectly loved. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. Man, is that good in 1 John, right? So if we realize that we're one with Jesus, does our prayer life look a little different? I've already covered all of this, but I just want us to think about this. Can we expect divine favor in the craziest situations in your life? Yes, don't live out of the here, what we see, and I'm speaking to me too, because sometimes it gets difficult. But then we go, you know what? Wait a minute. How would Jesus pray in this situation? What would Jesus' uh, faith be in this situation? And even because he was fully man and fully human, as he was on the cross, he goes, Father, I commit my spirit to you. I trust you. It's not based on his faith. It's so comforting to me to go, I can trust in his faith because I'm one with him, so I possess his faith. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to do anything. Although I begin to feel it when I go, you know what, when I pray, or what, how would Jesus look at this challenge, or how would Jesus look at this situation? I don't think he'd get ruffled feathers. I think he'd go, you know what, we live above the, the natural realm. We live out of the spirit, and we can change the natural. That's how I really want all of us to get is just manifest as sons. And so how, how, how uncommon should our health be? Um, knowing that he's in and through us and his, his, everything, he's the vine, we're the branch, so he's providing all the nourishment, all the healing, everything flowing through every atom of our body. Wouldn't it be different? I'm still trying to get where Josh is, your, your son. He's like, we don't have to die because we all died. I'm like, yeah. Intellectually, it makes sense, but I just haven't seen it work yet. Maybe that's my lack of faith, right? I don't know. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Paul says, if, if he died, if one died, how many died? All died. Yet on the flip side, this, I shouldn't even get into this, but on the flip side, it says, all creation thinks of me, it, it speaks of me. And so when I see, we, we always thought death was death, like the end of something, the end of life. But even today, like if we look at nature, when a seed, quote unquote, dies, what happens? New life springs out. So that's where, I, that's where my debate was with Josh. I said, you know what? Yeah, maybe. Like, we don't have to die. I just said, Here's my challenge. All the guys saying that have wrinkles, to be honest with you. <laughs> Anybody else? Like, no, we don't have to die. Like, that would be fantastic. But I, that's where I'm not sure if death was prearranged because I was, anyway, I don't want to get into that. It really doesn't matter because love never fails. Hey, here's the really good news. When you die, guess what? You're going to experience new life. So we don't have to be afraid of death is what Paul says. All of our life we've been afraid of death and it held us captive. But he went down into the grave and preached, captivity, preached to the captives and led captivity free. So there's none left in the grave. Then we read the end. It says even the guys before the flood were, were wiped out. 
they're out of there. So, hey, you know what? I don't have to worry about that bumper sticker that says, at the rapture, look out, because I won't be in this car. Okay. I'm kind of hoping I'm left behind, because if you really, if it says in the days of Noah, the only guy who was left behind lived. All the other guys got, died in the flood. So, it's backwards from what we were taught, isn't it? Stephen and I always talk about that, because we were like, wait a minute, if it's in the days of Noah, there's only eight people who survived on that thing. All the other people were, who were raptured died. But then in Revelation, it says, great news, all the people up to Noah's flood live. <laughs> I'm confusing you. So anyway, that should be good news though, right, Bill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like to stir it up a little bit. So anyway, all you Facebook haters, leave me alone. I don't answer your email anyway. I got 10,100 whatever I showed Stephen. So anyway, so I would like us to get, get to your feet. Let's stop this. I'm digging, digging deep. He's going to have to come down and preach to the grave again. So Hopefully it made sense to you a little bit, though. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just give us a deep revelation that what truly what weight means, it just means to entwine that we're in complete union with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we've been reconciled to him, meaning down to the very exact point we're co-equal and one with him. And we get to share this amazing message of reconciliation, not only for our own hearts it does good, but to the, to the world is what it says. Go share this amazing message that they're perfectly loved because he's love. They're radically forgiven because that's what you do. Love forgives. That they're one with him. And let that revelation, let that spirit of this sonship that we're co-equals of Jesus Christ just to start to bubble out of us. So we can truly just get a revelation like what, would, what truly would it look like if Jesus was here? What would Jesus do? Because whatever Jesus would do, I have the ability to do. I've been created in exchange, reconciled down to that very last atom in our bodies, in our spirit, everything. We're, we're one. It's this great mystery that we're one. So Father, just let us get this great revelation that we can dream as big as we want to dream. As if, if Jesus was in it, we can dream like that. We can dream of restoration in any situation that big whether it's marriage, whether it's relationships, whether it's business, it's anything, you restore. And whatever that Jesus could trust and believe in restoration, that's what we can trust and believe in resurrection. And Father, we just thank you when we pray for the sick and we we just be a demonstration of your splendor, we're not worried about our faith, that realizing all we're doing is releasing the life that he's freely given every one of us, that we can dream big, we can see big, we can realize it's not based on our faith, even if our faith is little and feels weak, etc., realizing we're entwined is what Isaiah says, is we can soar like the eagles, we can faint and never get weary, we can truly live the miraculous, the uncommon life naturally. And I think that's what you're getting is not to boast about how awesome our faith is, but just how wonderful your perfect love was. That you, you just like David, King David's, you, who are we that you treat us as a co-equal and are married to us as your bride. So Father, we just thank you for supernatural things that these people can get it deep in their heart, that they can have this uncommon hope, they can live this uncommon life and just be a demonstration and and a a visual, just like Jesus was. This is what sonship looks like. Let every one of our lives, and under the sound of my voice, all you guys that watch this online at a later date, let every one of our lives start to exhibit that, the Christ life. We just say thank you in Jesus' magnificent name. Amen, amen, amen. (laughs)